Did you know that studies have revealed some startling statistics about our ability to focus? Listen to these. On average, a student switches tasks once every 65 seconds, with the median time that they can stay focused on any one task being a mere 19 seconds. Welcome to Philosopher Insights, the podcast that delivers wisdom in minutes a day that you can put into practice daily and strive to master over a lifetime. The podcast committed to sharing ideas that encourage you to bridge the gap between who you are today and the person you aspire to be in the future. Hi, my name is Herb Lamba and welcome to my podcast where I will share practical insights from the world's best authors. Knowledge isn't power, applied knowledge is. The quest to become the best version of you starts right now. Hi, and welcome to Philosopher Insights. My name is Herb Lamba. Today we're discussing stolen focus, why you can't pay attention, and how to think deeply again. The author is Johan Hari. The book is published in 2022. I want to share a number of my favorite insights, starting with task juggling costs, mind wandering, the voodoo doll, a better way, examine your diet, three layers of attention, and finishing it off with six life changes. So let's start with the introduction. Quote, As I researched this book, I learned that there are all sorts of factors that have been scientifically proven to reduce people's ability to pay attention. There is strong evidence that many of these factors have been rising in the past few decades, sometimes dramatically. Against this, there is only one trend I could find that might have been improving our attention. That's why I came to believe that this is a real crisis, and an urgent one. I also learned that the evidence about where these trends are taking us is stark. So I went on a 30,000-mile journey to find out how we can get our focus and attention back. I came to believe that we have profoundly misunderstood what is actually happening to our attention. For years, whenever I couldn't focus, I would angrily blame myself. But I learned that in fact something much deeper than personal failure or a single new invention, is happening here. I found strong evidence that our collapsing ability to pay attention is not primarily a personal failing on my part, or your part, or your kid's part. This is being done to us all. It is being done by very powerful forces. Those forces include big tech, but they also go way beyond them. This is a systematic problem. The truth is that you are living in a system that is pouring acid on your attention every day, and then you are being told to blame yourself and to fiddle with your own habits while the world's attention burns. There are real steps you can take as an isolated individual to reduce the problem for yourself, and throughout this book, you'll learn how to carry them out, end quote. I must say that the introductory chapter of this book is quite compelling. Stolen Focus has definitely earned its place as the best book I have ever read on this subject. I first heard about it through a podcast recommendation and decided I'd give it a shot. And boy, am I glad I did. The insights and information presented in this book are truly eye-opening. For instance, did you know that studies have revealed some startling statistics about our ability to focus? Listen to these. On average, a student switches tasks once every 65 seconds, with the median time that they can stay focused on any one task being a mere 19 seconds. As adults, we fare a bit better, with office workers being able to focus on one task for an average of three minutes. These findings are quite alarming and really highlight the need for us to improve our ability to concentrate and stay focused in today's fast-paced world. 
I am so honored to share a handful of my favorite insights, so let's begin. Insight number one, task juggling costs. Quote, some scientists used to side with my initial gut instinct. They believed it was possible for people to do several complex tasks at once. So they started to get people into labs and they told them to do a lot of things at the same time. And they monitored how well it went. What the scientists discovered is that, in fact, when people think they're doing several things at once, they're actually, as Earl explained, juggling. They switch back and forth. They don't notice the switch because their brain sort of papers over it to give it a seamless experience of consciousness, but what they are actually doing is switching and reconfiguring the brain moment to moment, task to task. And that comes with a cost, end quote. One of the costs that the author shares related to constantly switching tasks is called the switch cost effect. This is when you're doing something like working on your taxes and you stop to check a text message or something similar. Even if you only glance at it for five seconds, your brain has to adjust and remember where you were in your tax return and what you were thinking about. This can take some time and effort and it can cause your performance to suffer. So if you're constantly checking your phone or switching between tasks, you're not just losing a little bit of time here and there. You're actually losing a lot more time and lost focus and decreased productivity. Cal Newport, the author of the book Deep Work, shares parallel wisdom. He says, quote, The problem this research identifies with this work strategy is that when you switch from some task A to another task B, your attention doesn't immediately follow. A residue of your attention remains stuck thinking about the original task. People experiencing attention residue after switching tasks are likely to demonstrate poor performance on that next task. And the more intense the residue, the worse the performance, end quote. Now for the most convincing argument yet as to the dangers of task switching, a study conducted by Hewlett-Packard found that, quote, technological distraction, just getting emails and calls, caused a drop in the worker's IQ by an average of 10 points. To give you a sense of how big that is, in the short term, that's twice the knock on your IQ that you get when you smoke cannabis. You'd be better off getting stoned at your desk than checking your texts and Facebook messages a lot, end quote. Insight number two, mind wandering. Quote, when you read a book, as you are doing now, you obviously focus on the individual words and sentences, but there's always a bit of your mind that is wandering. You are thinking about how these words relate to your own life. You're thinking about how these sentences relate to what I said in previous chapters. You're thinking about what I might say next. You draw together the different parts of the book in order to make sense of the key theme. This isn't a flaw in your reading. This is reading. Having enough mental space to roam is essential for you to be able to understand a book. This isn't just true of reading. It's true of life. Some mind wandering is essential for things to make sense. End quote. When you let your mind wander, it turns out that you're actually doing yourself a favor. That's because it can help you organize your personal goals, be more creative, and make better long-term decisions. And get this, when your mind drifts off, it starts to make connections between things that you might not have seen before. This often leads to solutions for problems you're facing in life. So don't feel guilty about letting your mind wander. It's actually a different form of attention, and it can be incredibly beneficial. Insight number three, voodoo doll. Quote, Facebook makes more money for every extra second you are staring through a screen at their site. 
and they lose money every time you put the screen down. They make this money in two ways. The more time you are at their sites, the more advertisements you see. Advertisers pay Facebook to get you and your eyeballs, end quote. The primary way Facebook and other social media platforms generate revenue is by keeping users on their site for as long as possible, enabling them to show you more ads. However, the second way they make money is much more concerning. Quote, but there's a second more subtle reason why Facebook wants to keep you scrolling and desperately doesn't want you to log off. Every time you send a message or status update on Facebook or Snapchat or Twitter, and every time you search for something on Google. Everything you say is being scanned and sorted and stored. Those companies are building a profile of you to sell to advertisers who want to target you. Aza explained it to me by saying that I should imagine that inside of Facebook servers, inside of Google servers, there's a little voodoo doll, and it is a model of you. It starts by not looking much like you. It's sort of a generic model of a human. But then, they're collecting your click trails, everything you search for, every detail of your life online, end quote. This is the moment where the magic starts. When you land on YouTube, it's like they're bringing a doll to life and experimenting with hundreds of thousands of videos to find out what triggers its movements. This way, they know what works and they serve that up to you. Quote, it was explained to me that whenever something is provided by a tech company for free, it's always to improve the voodoo doll. Why is Google Maps free? So the voodoo doll can include details of where you go every day, end quote. How does all this voodoo doll talk impact our focus? Hari suggests that social media sites have become masterful at training our minds to crave rewards like likes and comments. The more we engage with these platforms, the more our brains become wired to seek out those little bursts of pleasure that come with each notification. This craving for validation and instant gratification can drive us to check our phones an alarming number of times each day, disrupting our productivity and hindering our ability to focus on what truly matters. Hari delves further into the ways in which social media sites operate by learning what drives our emotions. They understand our likes, dislikes, what makes us happy, angry, or sad, and use this knowledge to promote content that keeps us hooked and distracted. Scientists have conducted studies demonstrating that anger can actually interfere with our attention spans, making it much harder for us to concentrate on the task at hand. Insight number four, a better way. Quote, after learning so much about how our technology works, I was left with two clear and urgent questions. Firstly, what are the specific changes to this invasive tech that could be made in practice to prevent it from harming our attention and focus? And secondly, how do we compel these huge corporations to introduce these changes in the real world? End quote. The author shares some creative ideas that came from the brilliant minds he spoke to while researching for this book. Firstly, the author suggests that Facebook could improve our well-being by batching notifications, meaning we'd receive only one notification per day, rather than being bombarded with a never-ending stream of behavioral triggers that can become addictive. And secondly, the author proposes we can put a stop to the infinite scroll feature. You know the one, where you can reach the bottom of the screen and social media sites automatically load more content, leaving you scrolling aimlessly forever. And thirdly, my personal favorite. Facebook and other social media platforms could ask us a periodic question like, what changes do you want to make in your life? Based on our answers, the algorithms could connect us with people 
who share similar aspirations. How cool is that? Insight number five, examine your diet. Quote, there is such a strong scientific consensus that our current diets cause these energy crashes that the British National Health Services carefully fact-checked official websites warning about it. If we want to improve our kids' focus and attention, our first step should be to stop feeding them Coke for breakfast and a bowl of sugar and milk. Try giving them proper food first, end quote. One of the key tenets of the Optimized Coach program was the importance of proper nutrition. And it wasn't just about promoting good health or shedding extra pounds. We made a direct correlation between the food we consume and our ability to stay focused and perform at our best. Unfortunately, today's youth are consuming poor quality foods that cause blood sugar spikes and a sudden burst of energy, only to crash and burn 20 minutes later. This kind of roller coaster ride is a recipe for distraction and makes it impossible for anyone to concentrate effectively. Since the 1970s, numerous scientific studies have been conducted to investigate the relationship between diet and attention span. The author cites one particular study in which researchers discovered that when children eliminated preservatives and dyes from their diets, 70% of them experienced significant improvements in their ability to focus, with an average increase of 50%. Now that's impressive. These findings underscore the critical role that nutrition plays in our cognitive function, and it highlights the potential benefits of adopting a more mindful approach to our eating habits. Insight number six, three layers of attention. Quote, the first layer of your attention, he said, is your spotlight. This is when you focus on immediate actions like, I'm going to walk into the kitchen and make a coffee. You want to find your glasses. You want to see what's in the fridge. You want to finish reading this chapter of my book, end quote. Former Google strategist James Williams referred to it as the spotlight because it involves zeroing in on a particular task or object. But here's the thing. If your spotlight gets sidetracked or disrupted, it can really throw you off your game and prevent you from completing tasks that require short-term focus. Quote, the second layer of your attention is your starlight. This is, he says, the focus you can apply to your longer-term goals, projects over time. You want to write a book? You want to set up a business? You want to be a good parent? It's called the starlight because when you feel lost, you look up to the stars and you remember the direction you are traveling in. End quote. And the third layer, quote, the third layer of your attention is your daylight. This is the form of focus that makes it impossible for you to know what your longer-term goals are in the first place. How do you know you want to write a book? How do you know you want to set up a business? How do you know what it means to be a good parent? Without being able to reflect and think clearly, you won't be able to figure these things out. End quote. Williams gave the term daylight to the state in which one can see things around them most clearly. According to the author, losing one's daylight is the deepest form of distraction and can lead to a loss of identity, inability to create a story about oneself, and a focus on trivial goals or external validation. This state is called decohering. Insight number seven, six life changes. As the book draws to a close, author Johann Hari reveals six significant changes he made in his life after uncovering everything he had learned throughout his writing journey. Quote, one, I used pre-commitment to stop switching tasks so much. Pre-commitment is when you realize that if you want to change your behavior, you have to take steps now that will lock in that desire and make it harder for you to crack later. Two, I have changed the way I respond to my own sense of distraction. 
I used to reproach myself and say, you're lazy, you're not good enough, what's wrong with you? I tried to shame myself into focusing harder. Now, based on what Mihai Csikszentmihalyi taught me, instead I have a different conversation with myself. I ask, what could you do now to get into a flow state and access your mind's own ability to focus deeply? Three, based on what I learned about the way social media is designed to hack our attention spans, I now take six months of the year totally off it, end quote. To be honest, I tried stepping away from social media and now I find it incredibly challenging to return. It's only after taking a break that I truly realized how detrimental it can be to one's focus, mood, and overall well-being. Quote, I acted on what I learned about the importance of mind wandering. I realized that letting your mind wander is not a crumbling of attention, but in fact a crucial form of attention in its own right. End quote. The author has established a new habit of taking a one-hour walk every day, free from the distractions of their phone or any other device. During this time, he allows his thoughts to wander and makes surprising connections. Quote, number five, I used to see sleep as a luxury or worse as an enemy. Now I am strict with myself about getting eight hours every night. I have a little ritual where I make myself unwind. I don't look at the screens for two hours before I go to bed and I light a scented candle and try to set aside the stresses of the day, end quote. We spoke about diet earlier. Here is another one of the core fundamentals to optimizing your life. How is your sleep? What improvements could you make today? Quote, number six. I'm not a parent, but I'm very involved in the lives of my godchildren and my young relatives. I used to spend a lot of my time with them deliberately doing things, busy, educational activities I would plan out in advance. Now I spend most of my time with them just playing freely or letting them play on their own without being managed or over-supervised or imprisoned, end quote. The author discovered that children who engage in unstructured playtime develop a stronger foundation for focus and attention. As a result, he strives to provide the children in his life with as much free play as possible. So that concludes the insights I wanted to share from this book. While I enjoyed reading Deep Work by Cal Newport, and Indistractable by Muriel, Stolen Focus by Johan Hari has become my new favorite book on attention and focus. I have only shared a small portion of the valuable insights that are presented in this book. If you found today's discussion helpful, I strongly suggest that you give this book a read. You've been listening to Philosopher Insights with your host, Herb Lamb. If you enjoyed this episode and you'd like to support the podcast, please share it with others, post about it on social media, or leave a rating and review. Thanks again, and I'll see you next time.